Batman.net presents the Batman Universe Podcast, your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 71. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we have with us... This is Nick. And this is Melinda. We are bringing you the latest movie, TV, video game, merchandise, and general news from the month of October. And our spotlight character for this episode will be Holly Robinson. And our feature, we are going to be talking about Batman Year One, as that was released in October as well. So, uh, without further ado, let's get right into movie news. Twelve years, the ache is still fresh. Like a raw, angry nerve. This isn't about healing. I'm not looking for closure. of different things happened in the month of October specifically related to the release of Batman Year One. Now, by listening to this episode, you're, you've probably already actually have seen Batman Year One, and like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the feature, but as far as different news related to Batman Year One and news related to The Dark Knight Rises, only a couple of things to actually go over. The very first thing we have on October 3rd, MTV posted up a new video featuring Juno Temple, and the question is, does she reveal her role for The Dark Knight Rises? Let's take a listen. What's it like to be on a, on a Christopher Nolan Batman movie set? I mean, It's sensational, yeah. truly. It's like, a, a, yeah, a very, very cool thing to be a part of. Yeah. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> is it just, you know, in, in terms of working on that stuff, you know, there is so much attention on it. You see all these, you know, these photos that leak and these videos that leak. There's a lot of attention on this movie. Is it is it difficult to shoot a film that is so top secret uh, as opposed to, you know, something like Dirty Girl? I don't think it's difficult. I think it's like, because, you know, I'm just as much in the dark as everybody else is, and I want to go see the movie and be surprised, so I don't want to tell my friends anything that I know. Right. And um, I'm not someone that spends a lot of time on the Internet, so I actually haven't seen pictures that have been leaked. Um, but I also like surprises, you know, I, 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 it's, it's my job though, you know, at the end of the day I go home and I want to like kick my shoes off and lay on my bed and read my poetry or whatever I decide to do, and, and get a pair cider with my friends, but I think like, it's, it's a job and yes there are different scales of movies, but at the end of the day your job is to go on there and know your character and nail it in however many takes they give you to do that. And uh, I'll harass you with one more Batman question and I promise I'm done. I can't promise I'll answer it. But, <laughs> no, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but you say you know you don't spend too much time online, you don't pay a lot of attention to rumors, but there's a big rumor that's circling around about your character, so I just have to ask, are you playing Holly Robinson in the film? No comment. No comment. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, Alright, so, as suspected, uh, she did not give away her role, not surprised 
Um, basically, we have no idea who she's playing, and she is not about to ruin it and tell because I'm pretty sure she doesn't want to get in trouble with Warner Brothers and Chris Nolan. At this point, I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, anybody who's talking MTV is not going to be giving anything away. And Ap uh, apart from Michael Caine, yeah, apart from <laughs> Michael Caine, but even even he's gotten the wiser around talking to MTV. So don't plan on hearing any exclusives coming from MTV anytime soon. I don't know if we've covered this on the rumor mill lately, but what is most people's thoughts as to who she's playing? Is it Holly Robinson, which would tie in nicely with our episode today i mean that since we've got catwoman in the story that would seem to make sense but yeah that's that's kind of the consensus there really hasn't been anything as far as rumors besides what we've heard in the past and i'm talking months ago in the past and that's that she could be playing holly robinson if she's not playing holly robinson i'm not real sure how she's going to tie into the actual batman universe unless she's a created character by the nolan's but, I mean, it'd be, it would be interesting, and I think it would also be kind of cool if she was Holly Robinson because it could play in. But then that would mean that you'd have to have, in order for it to work out perfectly, Catwoman would also have to then be a prostitute or a call girl or an escort or something. And then to bring Holly Robinson, who's also a, much younger than Anne Hathaway, I think at least probably 10 years younger, and say that she's also a prostitute and then link it back to Batman Year One... Well, Holly Robinson was like a 12-year-old in Batman Year One, and 12-year-old prostitutes don't don't go over very well unless you are a very, very high-drama movie. Yeah, that's a bit tough for Warner Brothers to consider that one, I think. It's a little bit over the top, perhaps. But maybe they could tone it down. I mean, maybe that's what they're planning. I think unless they do tone it down, there's no way they can bring in the prostitution storyline, but it'd be interesting to see her as Holly Robinson. Interesting to see that side of Catwoman's personality that is so often ignored now. So then let's move into some of the Batman Year One news. There's a, a bunch of different things that happen with Batman Year One. I'm not going to go over every single one of these because like I said, the, the movie's already out, so there's no reason to actually talk about every single item. But going over some of the things that we have featured on the sites, there's at least three different clips from the film over on the website that Warner Brothers sent us can check those out on the website as well as our YouTube page. And we have an interview with Ben McKenzie on voicing Batman from October 10th that Warner Brothers sent over. We also have an interview with Alex Rocco who voiced Carmine Falcone in Batman Year One that was sent to us on October 12th. On October 13th, Warner Brothers sent over an announcement saying that Catwoman the Animated Short that was attached to Batman Year One was going to premiere the following day at New York Comic Con. And then on October 14th, they actually sent over an interview with Eliza Dushko talking about her playing Catwoman in Batman Year One. And then obviously Batman Year One was released on October 17th. And then the following day, Brian Cranston talked about his role as Jim Gordon in Batman Year One. So if you're interested in any of those interviews and clips, head over to the website and check those out. But not really any secret breaking news coming from any of those interviews or clips now that the, the film is actually already out. Plus, of course, there's the Batman Universe interviews we had at Comic-Con in the summer. They were pretty good, too. Yeah, and you can definitely check all those out on the YouTube page as well. All right, so then 
Moving on to some of the next bit of news we have, on October 14th at New York Comic Con there was a DC animated film panel, and the the panel was held to showcase the Catwoman short that was going to be included with Batman Year One when it releases, but the other bit of new news that was released was they actually showed footage of the trailer for Justice League Doom. You can actually see that trailer on our YouTube page and on the website, so you can check that out. Kevin Conroy will once again be voicing Batman in the film, and Bane will also be making an appearance in the film as well. Based on the trailer, the the film is actually loosely based off of the Tower of Babel storyline from the comics, despite being saying that it was a very distinct interpretation of it. It is interpretation, but it is not a adaption of the actual storyline. It's very different involving the Royal Flush Gang and the Legion of Doom, which is, consists of very different members than we're used to. Ra's al Ghul also has a much minor role in the film compared to the actual storyline in the comics. Besides the video shown at the panel, there was a discussion of Batman Year One and more on Justice League Doom. Bruce Tim reiterated that uh, what was mentioned at San Diego Comic-Con, that Batman The Dark Knight Returns is planned and currently in production with a possible release in 2012 or 2013. Tim also answered a fan's question about the new look of the heroes appearing in the comics and if the films would be featuring that as well. Tim replied that there was no pressure to change the look of the characters from DC. Blackest Night, which is another storyline from the comics, has also been talked about as a future possibility for a storyline as well. Well, there's quite a lot of interesting news from this from this panel. Firstly, about the, the Doom film based on Tower of Babel. I've not read Tower of Babel. Um, I've heard it's excellent. It is on the Bat Books for Beginners reading list, so I'm looking forward to getting around to it at some point. But, I mean, I've been told it's a very good story. And then to find out that it's this this film is kind of departing in a lot of different directions from that is a bit of a shame, I think. Um, I've often found the Justice League animated movies to be probably my least favourite out of the stuff that the animated studios have produced. But the, the voice cast is excellent. In fact, they've got some of the old ones from the Justice League series, and they've also got some of my favourites who we've seen recently, like Nathan Fillion. Uh, he's playing Green Lantern. So... Good and bad there. I would have liked to see them stick close to the comic storyline, but, you know, we'll see it when it comes out. And then the other stuff, Dark Knight Returns, well, I can say now, we'll get into it in more detail later on, but I did enjoy Batman Year One a lot, and I think Dark Knight Returns could be just as successful. And then the last bit about Blackest Night, I think that may be, that certainly needs to be adapted quite a lot for Blackest Night to work for a... Uh, film audience because there's a lot of references there's a lot of dead characters that come back from the grave if you're not very aware of the big dc universe the film may not have much of an impact on you so i think blackest night might be a bit of a risky story to pick but other than that good news but justice league doom i'm kind of 50 50 at the moment justice league doom like nick i'm 50 50 and it is because historically i haven't enjoyed the justice league movies that i've watched part of that is i don't really care for the Justice League as a storyline. But The Dark Knight Returns, when this was first brought up, I think last podcast, I was really not excited about this because I don't actually like that storyline very much by Frank Miller. But I am excited after having watched Batman Year One. Seeing his, his adaptations go from book to screen, it was just 180 degrees for me. And Blackest Night, I would love to see 
Blackest Night and then Brightest Day done kind of together so that you do get that whole long storyline that that was trying to tell. As far as the news, I, I think The Dark Knight Returns is going to be interesting. I I'm, I guess I'm more interested to see what what's going to happen because they've talked about it being two different films, a part one and a part two. And I'm, I'm not real sure whether or not I like the idea of that. I can understand why they would do it because it is going to be much longer than the, the general 60 minutes that these, these movies have been recently. And I, w- I wouldn't want them to cut out too much to make it work. But at the same time, I'm concerned that by having that it broken into two parts, does that mean we're, we're going to see Justice League film, another film, and then the next two DC films are going to be this Dark Knight Returns? And then in hand with that, does that mean that Dark Knight Returns is actually going to make up two of the movies for the th- out of the three movies that come out a year because I don't necessarily th- think I like the idea of that either. I don't necessarily want to see part one as the Batman movie of 2012 and part two as the Batman movie of 2013. I, I just don't like the idea of that. Justice League Doom, I'm... I thought it was a great idea when they said it was going to be based off of Tower of Babel. Now that I've seen the characters that are involved and it's for the most part very different than what the original take of the the, the, the comic was. I'm kind of iffy on that. I, I, I still want to see it. I'm still looking forward to it. And I gotta say, I, unlike my co-host here, I like the Justice League films. The ones I didn't like so far were the Superman-Batman films, because I think those took too many liberties. And that's the only thing that concerns me with this being based off of an actual comic, is that with the Superman-Batman ones, those were also based off of comic stories. They took too many liberties with cutting certain things and not cutting other things and then adapting certain other things to make it so that it was more convenient for those people out there who are not as familiar with the comics. That's what concerns me. I mean, I I wanted to say that, I mean, what interested me the most about this Tower of Babel story is is the fact it does revolve around Batman, really, and his guilt of having all these contingency plans to take down his own allies that really intrigued me and i thought i imagine the comic book story focuses on batman and i thought the film would focus on his his guilt but from the trailer it looks like that's not the case it doesn't look like that is a real focus of the film but you know maybe the trailer's not selling it right i don't know but that that was what intrigued me and the trailer didn't really show me any of that Alright, so then the next bit of news we have comes on October 17th. The Scream Awards, the Spike Scream Awards, were held, and they were awarded on October 15th, which was a Saturday night, and The Dark Knight Rises won for the most anticipated movie coming out in 2012. The accepting, accepting the award was Gary Oldman, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Anne Hathaway. You can check out a video preview of the acceptance speech on the website, if you're interested in that, again, we didn't really get any reveals or breaking news from this, but it's nice to see that despite the fact that there's tons of movies coming out next year, including The Avengers, The Dark Knight Rises continues to be the most anticipated movie of the year. Uh, yeah, no surprise. I'm sure we would have all voted for that film. And yeah, no, no surprises there, really. I think it did have some competition from The Avengers, which has got a lot of hype around it. But for me... And I think for a lot of people, the Dark Knight Rises just has a bit more class. 
I went in to do the voting before it ended, and it it was a really tough choice to pick between the two of them. But I I won't lie to the audience. The Dark Knight won out. He always does. So that is all of the movie news we have. Moving into TV news. I consider it an honor to be your teacher. I'll throw a lot at you. Everything I've learned from my own mentors. Ugh, and my own bruises. What happened? The job. Now, combat is about controlling conflict. Putting the battle on your terms. You should always be acting, never reacting. I'll need a sparring partner. Right here, yeah. <clears throat> After this, swish. I'll show you my moves. Oh, that hurts so good. Good block. But did anyone see what he did wrong? Ooh, ooh, he hit on teacher and got served? Dude! He allowed me to dictate the terms of- Oh, please. With my powers, the battle's always on my terms. I'm a living weapon, and this is a waste of my time. Prove it. couple of different things happened in the month of October. Nothing super, super special. As far as news, there we'll go over the news first, and then we'll talk about the episodes of Batman Brave and the Bold and Young Justice that aired for the month. But as far as news, on October 14th, New York Comic Con, it was announced that DC will be teaming with Robot Chicken. And this, this team-up essentially means... That if you've ever watched Robot Chicken, I don't know how many people that have. I am actually a huge fan of Robot Chicken because I like stop motion. They've done a number of different little little uh, sketches involving DC characters. One of the ones we focus, we actually featured on the website, is an Arkham Asylum Shawshank Redemption kind of mashup, where you've got a, a number of characters from Batman's world. They're in Arkham Asylum, but at the same time, there's char- they're trying to break out like Shawshank Redemption. Amazing stuff, great writing, it, it mashes things up perfectly, but this isn't the only one, that's just one example. But during the Adult Swim panel featuring Robot Chicken, Jeff Johns was also was on hand to announce that DC Entertainment is going to produce a special featuring the heroes of the DC Universe along with the creators of Robot Chicken, Seth Green and Kevin Shinnick, who is the writer on the series, and unknown exactly when it's going to come out, but they did mention that they are aiming for a release in the second half of 2012. Essentially what this means is, if you've ever heard of Robot Chicken's Star Wars specials, where they've they've done spoofs of the actual Star Wars episodes, we're going to see probably a bunch of different mashups of DC characters, a DC-specific episode. So I'm looking forward to this, I can't wait for it. I wish they would do more DC stuff. That That's always been something I've been on the lookout for whenever this stuff is online. Yeah, I think it's great news. I don't really watch the Robot Chicken regular show, but I've seen all of the Star Wars specials, and I, I really think it's great that Star Wars are happy to you know, have Robot Chicken poke fun at them. I mean, uh, those specials are really good. I mean, if you really like... But you do kind of need to know a lot about Star Wars, know all the details to, to really enjoy it, but they're really, really well done. And the idea of a DC Comics one is great. I can imagine them coming up with all sorts of jokes. I'm sure Aquaman will get a lot of laughs, but 
yeah, I, I reckon there'll be a lot of good stuff there, and uh, I think I, I think it's a great idea of DC to team up with them because I think it will be really really funny when it comes out. I think Robot Chicken is kind of acting as the new Simpsons, where getting them to parody you or to make fun of you is actually viewed as a huge honor. I don't watch Robot Chicken regularly. I watch clips every now and then, generally if I'm having a bad day and I want to laugh. But I'm really excited by the idea that they're going to do a DC-specific episode, just to see their take on it and what jokes they're going to choose to use. All right, and then the other bit of news from... As far as TV news goes, on October 25th, Young Justice Season 1, Volume 2 arrived on DVD, and it features four episodes featuring a number of characters from the Batman universe, including Batman, Black Canary, The League of Shadows, Sensei, Black Spider, The Hook, Robin, and Clayface. So that is available in stores now. We also have a review on the website if you're interested in hearing our take on that four-episode volume as well. So let's get into some of the episodes that aired for the month of October. For Batman Brave and the Bold, we actually had a new episode every single week during the month, just running through some of the episodes and some of the characters that appeared on them. The first episode was The Triumvirate of Terror, and uh, the teaser featured the Justice League International playing a game of baseball against the Legion of Doom, and the main plot has Batman teaming with Superman and Wonder Woman to fight Joker, Cheetah, and Lex Luthor. On October 14th, we had Bold Beginnings, where the teaser had Batman teaming with Space Ghost, and the main story had Green Arrow, Plastic Man, Aquaman captured by Mr. Freeze, and Batman has to go against the Cavalier, Ruby Rider, Babyface, and his crew against Black Manta. On October 21st, we had an episode called Powerless, the Joker of all nations, Gatecrash, the headquarters of the Batmen of all nations. And then the main story had Captain Adam teaming with Justice League International to fight his old enemy, Major Force. And then finally, October 28th, we had the episode Crisis 22,300 Miles Above the Earth, which featured in the teaser Joker, Penguin, Grodd, Kite Man, Black Manta, Two-Faced, Gentleman Ghost, Mr. Freeze, Riddler, Poison Ivy, Clock King, and Solomon Grundy. And they conduct a roast of Batman, and Jeffrey Ross is the is brought in as the star guest. In the main plot, the Justice League International hosts a party on the Watchtower for themselves and the Justice Society of America. Meanwhile, Batman attempts to stop Ra's al Ghul, and that is the episodes. There's actually, by our knowledge, only two more episodes left, both scheduled to air in the month of November. So... Uh, Two more episodes and the series is over. I remember when we first found out that Raven the Bulb was ending, that they said they wanted to do some, you know, stuff that's kind of out there, a bit crazy, stuff that they didn't really think they could get away with. Just they wanted to do something very different and and really honour that golden age feel. And, I mean, with Dustin listing off some of the stuff they did there, like playing baseball, roasting Batman, Batman teaming up with Space Ghost... It sounds like they've achieved what they wanted to do, and there's a lot of silly stuff going on, which, of course, that all fits the Brave and the Bold style. I've seen, I think, two or three of these episodes, and the one with the, the Trinity teaming up was pretty good. The Batman of All Nations was interesting. I haven't seen the Roast one yet, though. I actually am interested in seeing that one. That sounds very good. So, you know, it sounds like they're going out in the way they want to, which is great, and I'm sure a lot of people will be sad to see, see the series end. 
I look forward to when these actually air up here for us. But the Jokers of All Nations breaking into the Batman of All Nations, and then also Batman teaming up with the Justice League International. I think it's really interesting that they're showing storylines that are very current, but using the wacky, zany, golden age type of tropes within those stories. Then, moving into the episodes of Young Justice, three episodes aired in the month of October. The first episode was Alpha Male, and we had a number of different characters appear in that episode. Hamilton Hill, who, as we know, was, was the mayor of Gotham City in Batman the Animated Series. Red Tornado, Aqualad, most of the, uh, the Young Justice team, and then Batman, Captain Marvel, and Uncle Dudley who is the uncle to Captain Marvel. On October 14th, we had the episode Revelation, where plant creatures attack major cities around the world, and Batman assigns a number of different people to take out a new group called the Injustice League. Now, this league consists of Joker, Count Vertigo, Poison Ivy, Atomic Skull, Wotan, Black Adam, and the Ultra Humanite. So what was interesting about that is that it was revealed to the viewers at the end of the episode that Injustice League are actually the fall guy meant to distract the heroes from discovering the actual the light group, which consists of a number of different uh, characters as well. That episode probably aired, I, I want to say, I think it was like 32 total characters in, in that episode alone. Really good episode, especially if you want to see some of the variations of these characters as they appear on Earth-16, which is where this is taking place. And then finally, October 21st, we had the episode Humanity, where the team in Zatanna hunt for Red Tornado because Red Tornado's little brother, Red Volcano, is attempting to destroy the Earth. Superboy is featured pretty prominently as he is the one who saves Red Tornado, and that that's that episode. So... Overall, I think these three episodes, I think Revelation was probably the best. I think all of them were good, but I think Revelation was the best because we really got a little bit of move-along with the light group as well as a number of characters being shown in that episode. Yeah, this series is more like what I want. I remember saying this when we started. I I just wanted a a big story that's sort of slowly getting moved along. You know, have your side missions, that's fine, but have that big story that's slowly moving along, and they're doing that expertly at the moment. These three episodes were great. As we said, you know, the the stuff with the Injustice League and learning more about the light, and uh, we found out who is actually members of that group. That was really interesting. I thought Captain Marvel, I was a little bit worried when he turned up, but he actually made me laugh a few times. I thought that was a very good addition. And the stuff with Red Tornado was was interesting too. I'm not that familiar with that character, so it was interesting learning a bit more about where he came from. And yeah, the Justice League were a little bit more involved too, so I really enjoyed it. Oh, plus there was the stuff with Aqua Lad and his leadership they were starting to question his leadership. I, I just thought the whole dynamics with the group were very interesting, and it's progressing nicely. I'm certainly enjoying this show more than Brave and the Bold, but, you know, that's, that's just me. You mentioned Aqua Lad's leadership. I, I seem to remember reading something when the show first started where they said everybody was kind of going to get the chance to try their hand at leadership. So them questioning Aqua Lad right now could be just a nice little segue for them to change leadership again. Mm. I have really enjoyed the fact that it's a big season-long story arc with the the people of the light. 
because it airs so sporadically here, it's kind of difficult to keep track of everything. So I'm looking forward to when it's all finally out on DVD and watching it just start to finish, figuring out what exactly this season was all about. So that is all the TV news. Attention, attention, family cheesed off by high time prices. Holy feline, Batman! Hold off the customers, Catwoman! Listen, folks, only as sellers are you protected by... The law of Toyland. Nobody beats sellers' prices on toys. Nobody. Micro machines are just $6.27, and Little Miss dress-ups are just $26.97. You're protected at sellers because the lowest price is the law. Let's move right into merchandise news, where we actually have a, a pretty decent chunk of merchandise news to go over. The very first thing we have is on October 12th, Hot Toys announced their plans for The Dark Knight Rises. They specifically mentioned that they will be again doing figures for The Dark Knight Rises as they've done for Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. But besides the 1-6 scale collectible figures, they are going to be bringing vehicles to the series too. So we could possibly see the Bat Pod and possibly the Bat Wing. Apart from the 1-6 scale, they're also going to be having a 1-4 scale, which is really really big and i can only imagine how much that is actually going to cost when those are those are created one fourth scale keep in mind that's essentially 25 percent the size of the actual person that's interesting that they're going to be doing the one fourth scale i i don't think i will ever have enough money to purchase the one fourth scale but uh, the one six scale even at the 200 dollars a pop i'm sure i will end up adding at least one or two to my collection I just can't imagine ever having the space to store one-fourth scale collectible figures. I don't have the space for one-six, so that's just not going to happen. So then, next up, we're going to go over a bunch of the stuff that came out of New York Comic Con because this isn't this is actually the last convention that DC Direct and Mattel would actually be at before Toy Fair next next spring, or well, late winter, early spring. And this is kind of their last hurrah to show off some new items. So as far as new items go, starting off with the DC Universe Classics, they did show off a model for a classic version of Penguin, although we have no idea when it's going to be coming out. We do know he'll have a machine gun umbrella that comes with him. Uh, we also found out that there will be an exclusive two-pack for Toys R Us that will feature the the Azrael character in the actual Azrael outfit instead of the Batman Azrael outfit, and then a, a damaged Batman. Uh, so those figures are coming out. Moving into some of the other stuff, Young Justice showed off a brand new figure as far as the 6-inch Batman figure. Moving into the Batman Legacy line by Mattel, a number of different things that are going to be coming out. Found out that Series 2 of the two packs is coming very soon to stores and one of the two packs will feature Robin and Joker from Batman Arkham City. We also found out that the other one will be the Joker Honor Guard, uh, basically Joker in the Honor Guard, Guard from the Dark Knight along with a Batman from the Dark Knight. Then we also found out the next set, we don't know exactly when they'll appear or what series they're in, but there's a number of different singles and a couple of new two-packs that they announced as well. Uh, one of the two-packs will be a modified Batman Arkham City costume 
as well as a Catwoman from Batman Arkham City. Those two will be in the two-pack. We'll have Batman Arkham City Harley Quinn, Batman Arkham City Nightwing, a classic Batman from the comics, Golden Age Catwoman, and those will both be uh, single packs as well. So, a number of different uh, Batman Legacy characters coming out. I'm really excited about all of these. Really love the Batman, or the, the Movie Masters figures that they had for the Dark Knight, and I'm glad that, despite the fact that it's been a while since the movie came out, they've decided to continue to do high-quality figures for Batman for collectors like myself. Alright, then also shown at New York Comic Con was the Lego Batcave, the new one that will be coming out in the actual, in summer of 2012. Uh, Variety released an article the Thursday before New York Comic Con saying that the Lego would be showing it off, and it took till Saturday afternoon for it to actually appear in a case at the DC booth. But what's interesting about this is that the villains that are actually featured with the Batcave are Bane and Poison Ivy. It's almost as if we're getting a flashback to 1997. And everyone loves 1997. This Lego Batcave, I must say, when I was younger, uh, I had a Lego castle. That was kind of special Lego thing I had. If I was younger and I could choose anything Lego, it would definitely be this Batcave. It looks pretty cool, and if I was uh, still into my Lego, I'd, I'd love a bit of, of, of the Batcave. I'm not even still super into Lego, but I will be picking this up. I think I can actually order it into my store, so I think this looks absolutely incredible. I, for for kids that are playing with Lego, this would be perfect. Will you be throwing away uh, Bane and Poison Ivy? Um, I will be pretending that they didn't come with the set. Is there an Alfred? I didn't notice. Is there an Alfred with the back? I didn't. I don't. I don't think there is. So they Aww. give you Bane and Poison Ivy, but not Alfred. That's ridiculous. Come on, Lego, sort it out. I'm sure there will be an Alfred, though, because I believe there was an Alfred with the last set. I would even be willing to purchase him separately. There's also a Bruce Wayne figure, too, that comes with it. So. <laughs> For when you need to distract the commissioner. All right, and then moving on to the DC Direct stuff. First up, Batman Arkham City. A number of different figures released, uh, or shown off, I should say. Series 2 will be available in April 2012, which will consist of Batman, Catwoman, Hush and Riddler. The Deluxe Series 1 will be available June 2012, which will feature Killer Croc, Mr. Freeze, and Series 3 will include Penguin, which will be available in October of 2012, and finally, November 2012, the Deluxe Series 2, which will feature the Titan Joker, Titan version Joker from Batman Arkham Asylum. Now, the big news at this point was that there was a Hush figure, because nobody even knew that Hush was going to be in the game, that was the big news, them showing off those figures. As far as other DC Direct items that were shown off, Justice League, the New 52 Batman, which will be coming out in April 2012, had some slight modifications that were shown off differently from what they were showing off at San Diego. There's a Batman Black and White Joker statue by Brian Boland, a Just Us League of Stupid Heroes Series 2, which will come out in September of 2012, which features Batman... Joker and Robin in the Alfred E. Newman from the Mad Magazine versions of the character. And you can check out pictures of all of these items over on the website. We have exclusive pictures taken by our very own Steve J. Rogers, who is at New York Comic Con on behalf of the Batman Universe. Tons of pictures. Check them out. Alright, so then moving into the next bit of news on October 19th, LEGO actually released some official images of the Batcave, and 
the only differences from what we see with the Batcave from the official ver version is that the Bruce Wayne figure is not part of that, that set. Bane and Poison Ivy, unfortunately, still are. <laughs> hmm, very mysterious. Where did Bruce Wayne go? Maybe, maybe they should they should replace the Bruce Wayne with an Alfred. That's what I'm. That's my idea. Yeah, I, the cave feels really incomplete without him. October twenty fifth, New Era sent us over some a number of images of their new Batman Arkham City line. You can check out all of these. There's three hats total that are shown on the website, but there's also there was also an exclusive one that was released for New York Comic Con before. So you can check out all the images of those hats on the website as well. And finally, the last bit of news we have comes on October 31st. Sideshow Collectibles uh, revealed their next Batman item slash DC item, which we knew about the Joker Prestige format figure or statue that was shown off at San Diego Comic-Con, but it appears that the next item from Sideshow Collectibles will be none other than a life-size bust of Batman. Now, before you get all excited about this, let me just say up front, this will cost you $680. We have images on the website. I will not be, well, I'm not a bust person as it is, but I will definitely not be spending $680 for a life-size bust of Batman. How many of these things do they sell? When they cost that much? I mean, it looks good, but uh, who's got that money? I don't, I, I don't even think it looks that good. The facial expression <laughs> that it's making, what is that? Yeah, he, he... That's why I don't think yeah, it looks good. He looks a bit constipated, doesn't he, really? A little bit. If you're going to spend all that money, the face has got to look right. Not even right, just not like that. <laughs> so, that is all of our merchandise news. Let's move right into video game news. Move, Dark Knight! You're as good at video games as you are at crime fighting! I make it a point to prepare for all possible contingencies. You just backflip! I want to backflip! Which button punches? Why do I keep jumping? Why do I keep jumping? You're just button mashing. Don't worry. I won't let us lose. I'm calling it for backup. First up, well, needless to say, we know that Batman Arkham City also was released in the month of October, specifically October 18th for North America, and it pre I'm pretty sure it's been released everywhere but Japan. Japan's being released this month, but broke all kinds of records as far as outselling the previous game not breaking like all-time records for video game sales but it had a great first week again a lot of the news that we have from october regarding some of the specific news related to the game is kind of irrelevant now because the game is already out but we will tell you some of the things that you may not know if you haven't picked up the game which is that nightwing he actually is in the game and at this point while you're listening to the podcast the Nightwing DLC has actually already been released as well. If you have an Xbox and you, ins you, you feel the necessity to have your avatar wear Batman garb, you can purchase on Xbox Marketplace some clothing items related to Batman Arkham City, specifically a Joker, Batman, and Robin costumes, and a number of other Batman Arkham City items are on there as well. I think there's 25 items total. Released along with Batman Arkham City was the console controllers, which we talked about back in June and July, both for Xbox and PlayStation 3. And then there's another another bunch of villains that are actually appearing in the game that we 
did not know or were not specifically aware of by the last the last time we talked to you about the game. Specifically, Poison Ivy was confirmed for the game as well as Mad Hatter. And I'm just going to throw out some other ones that not, those of you who haven't played the game might not know about. Uh, we knew that Deadshot was going to be in the game. Bane's in the game for sure. There's a side mission with Bane. There's also a side mission featuring Hush, which I, we mentioned during Merchandise News. There's a number of different things. The Mad Hatter actually is involved in a side mission as well. Scarecrow doesn't actually have a role in the game, but there's a secret somewhere in Arkham City that uh, is sort of a cameo for, for Scarecrow. Also, Killer Croc does, a, does, does appear in the game, but in a very minor cameo-like role as well. So those are some more villains on top of what we talked about in the last episode in our feature. Next up, October 6th, there was a animated short that was actually created by DC Animation, or the DC Entertainment, but Warner Brothers Animation for Gotham City Imposters. Quite an interesting look at the aspect and idea behind the game of Gotham City Imposters. You can take a look at that on the website as well as our YouTube page. I thought it was pretty good. And it was nice to see, again, some kind of cross-promotions between the different elements of the DC Entertainment with the animation side working along with the Warner Brothers Interactive side as well. And then probably the next most interesting news coming out besides all the stuff for Batman Arkham City is on October 19th there was an article that was posted at the LA Times specifically talked about the success of Warner Brothers Interactive over the last couple of years, specifically dating back to 2008 with the release of Lego Batman and then Batman Arkham Asylum, now Batman Arkham City. So it was talking about the success of a lot of different properties as well as the Lego Harry Potter series and some of the things that Warner Brothers have do- has done right recently to really be successful with the, the games not necessarily dealing with the actual films. But what was interesting about this actual article was that they kind of indiscreetly announced that there's actually a sequel to Lego Batman that is going to be released next summer. There was no details mentioned about the game, and we actually haven't heard anything about it at all, besides in this little bit of an article. But there was also another game that no details were mentioned, other than it would be based off of DC property. I'm... Highly doubtful that this is going to be another Batman game, but it could mean that the world of DC Comics would begin to expand outside of Batman as far as games go. There was a rumored Suicide Squad game in the works going back as far as Comic-Con 2010 that I remember hearing about, but there was no word of whether or not that was actually going to happen. But with Suicide Squad actually having a comic, it seems like it could be a perfect time for a Suicide Squad game. But I gotta say, Lego Batman 2... Bring it on. I actually didn't enjoy Lego Batman very much. It just wasn't really the right game for me. But, I, you know, if they want to do another one, that's great. I know it did very well. A lot of people were very happy with it. I think I was in the minority. But, it's, well, it's good to see them doing more games. I'm sure we'll get another uh, sequel to uh, Arkham City. And I am interested to see what this other DC game is. Maybe, maybe it's another big one, like Superman or Green Lantern or something. But... It would be great to see Rocksteady take on a different character, see if they could do that. But, uh, yeah, more more games coming. That's great news. I really enjoyed Lego Batman. I don't play games very often. I have horrendous hand-eye coordination. But Lego Batman, was it was easy. It was really fun. And it was something that 
I was able to play with my little brother, with my older brother, with either one of them, and they were both able to enjoy it, too. As far as the rumored game, when Nick said Superman or Green Lantern, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, if it comes out, if it's coming out within the next year or so, that that's perfect tie-in to the new Superman movie that'll be released around the same time. All right, so that is all of our video game news. Finally... Uh, you, you, you mind uh, saying that one more time? Why do you want to kill me? What? What? Um. Why do you want to kill me? I said, why do you want to kill me? Um. Okay. Um. I. I. Uh. I don't know if it's just me, but I. Uh. I can't understand what you're saying. Let's move into general news. Only one thing to report. On October 13th, Graphic Audio released the first part of Batman No Man's Land, which is a adaption of the actual comic series by Greg Rucka. Check a link out on the website to purchase that. They currently have a sale going on for a discount, a significant discount, because it was just released. And part two is coming out in November. So you can take a look at this. Me personally, I am a huge fan of Batman No Man's Land. If you've never read, if you, I've read the comics, but there's also an actual book that was adapted from the comics to an actual novel format. And if you have, uh, if you've never read the comics but are interested in knowing about No Man's Land, this is this is kind of like an audio drama of the actual storyline that Greg Rucka wrote based off the comics. Well, yes, I, I've not read No Man's Land, and uh, I really enjoyed the... I know it was a different company, but BBC did a Nightfall audio drama that I thought worked really well, so I think I might might get this one, actually. I, I really enjoyed the audio drama for another story. I think hopefully it will work well with this one. I just finished No Man's Land, I think, sometime last month. I really enjoyed it. I've listened to graphic audio's version of I think it was Infinite Crisis that I was listening to they they did a really great job they they cast really well the speakers that they have clearly know the characters know what they're supposed to be portraying so I would expect nothing less from this one alright so that is all of our general news and that's all of our news total so let's get right into our spotlight character which as I mentioned at the earlier earlier in the episode is Holly Robinson Changing our line of work, Holly. You spent the last of our money on that? It's not even Halloween. Sometimes, Holly, you have to spend money to make money. Selena! So let's talk about Holly Robinson. Holly Robinson ran away from home, tired of being hit by her abusive father. Although she left her two brothers behind, Holly felt she had little choice. Robinson was a 13-year-old prostitute in Gotham City when she met fellow runaway Selena Kyle. Kyle came to Robinson's defense against a corrupt cop and the two bonded, becoming lifelong friends. This was in Batman number 404 from 1987. 
Not long after, Holly and Selena chose to leave their pimp Stan, who did not take kindly to his girls having a mind of their own. To keep them in line, he had Selena's sister Maggie Kyle taken and beaten. Selena found out and, in a rage, killed Stan, a choice that sent her life in a direction apart from Holly. Robinson accompanied Maggie, who was preparing to take vows, back to the nearby convent. This was in Catwoman number 1 from 1989. Robinson decided the holy life was not for her and left the convent, quickly returning to the streets with drugs and prostitution filling her time. When a serial killer went after Gotham's East End hookers, she sought refuge in her old apartment and was thrilled to find Selina once more in residence. By then, Kyle was well established as Catwoman and could therefore help her friend. Under Selina's watchful eye, Robinson got herself clean and became totally devoted to watching Selina's back. She became an informant for Kyle, when, with Catwoman paying her for information to keep Holly away from the streetlight. During this time, Robinson was reunited with another old friend, a woman named Karen, and the two became lovers, forming a committed relationship. That was in Catwoman, the third series, number three, March 2002. Robinson and Kyle remained the best of friends. Over time, Holly was trusted with most of Catwoman's secrets. Unfortunately, she got caught up in some of the darker doings and wound up being forced to kill a woman named Sylvia Sinclair, a childhood friend of Selena's. This incident shook Robinson, and it took her a long while to learn to cope. When Holly was ready, Selena began training her to handle herself in a fight. In addition to her personal efforts, Kyle had Robinson work with former heavyweight champion Ted Grant, who was a fellow costumed adventurer, Wildcat. During the course of the training, the two women travelled the country and wound up in St. Roach, where Selena had located Holly's brother, Davy, and arranged a tearful reunion. After killing Black Mask, Selena and Slam Bradley shut down the remainder of the criminal's operations, becoming lovers during this time. The relationship resulted in Kyle becoming pregnant. So Holly intensified her training and became the second Catwoman. Catwoman 3rd Series number 53, May of 2006. Holly was believed to be the Catwoman who murdered Black Mask, and she was arrested. Selena returned to her costume to clear Holly's name. The Russian villains Hammer and Cycle went after Selena, threatening both Holly's girlfriend Karen and Selena's baby Helena Wayne. Holly arrived in time to save Selena's life as the Russian villains fell to their deaths. Selena and Holly parted ways, with Holly heading to Metropolis to start anew. And that was Catwoman, third series, number 68, August 2007. Upon her arrival, she found sanctuary in a shelter run by the Greek goddess Artemis. She and Harley Quinzel, the former villain Harley Quinn, became friends as Holly began to work as an assistant. This was in Countdown, number 47, from 2007. In a reality prior to the crisis on the Infinite Earths, Holly actually cleaned herself up and married a man moving to New Jersey. Upon hearing of this, Catwoman visited the Garden State and avenged her friend. Action Comics Weekly, 611-614-1988. Her resurrection after the crisis became an anomaly of concern for the cadre of monitors who sought to keep the 52 parallel universes uncontaminated. In Countdown number 46, 2007, and it makes absolutely no sense to me. Alright, and then as far as appearances in media... She recently appeared in Batman Year One, which is one of the reasons why we actually are covering her in this episode. Juno Temple is possibly rumored to be Holly Robinson in The Dark Knight Rises. Again, we don't know that for sure. And in an interview tape for Batman Arkham City, it is revealed that Hugo Strange has taken Holly Robinson hostage in order to manipulate Catwoman. 
although Holly never actually makes a physical or vocal presence in the game. So that is Holly Robinson, an interesting character who you may find interesting, but uh, clearly DC has not found her interesting because according to Judd Winnick, the current writer on Catwoman, Holly Robinson is no longer part of the Catwoman and Batman mythos and is not expected to return in any incarnation for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I heard about that. It seems... I don't know why, but if, if, if they just don't mention her, then, you know, people can just assume she was still around. It seemed very odd to come out and say she's finished. I think it would be interesting to find out that Juno Temple is playing her in The Dark Knight Rises, and then all of a sudden someone says, well, why did we get rid of this character? Yeah, they'll bring her back, if that's the case, I'm sure. that's our spotlight character let's move right into our feature which is a kind of a recap of batman year one what we think what was our feelings on it did we like it did we not like it so let's start off with the actual story adaptation what do we think of the story adaptation it's obviously very 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 faithful to the comic book in the sense that you know Shots are similar to panels in almost, you know, they're almost identical. The dialogue is, is almost the same, and that works for the most part. I mean, it, visually, it looks really impressive, and, and, but as a story, I mean, I think it's a great comic book story, and I think it's, you know, pretty good, but because it's a comic book story that's just been translated to a film, it doesn't quite work perfectly, but I did like it a lot. It's just I don't think it was perfect. Um, as far as the story goes, I liked it a lot better as a movie than I did as a comic. But Nick is right. I mean, the whole thing visually is a love letter to David Mazzucchelli, as as much as a film can be. Um, but there were certain shots. I was kind of trying to follow along with my comic at the same time. And there were certain shots where I would almost get shivers saying, yeah, that's perfect. That's That's the shot. That's the feeling they were going for in the comic that they captured in the movie. I thought the adaptation worked perfectly. There, a lot of the dialogue was pretty much straight from Frank Miller's original scripts for the actual comics. The art was well. The the actual animation was like like both of you said, almost verbatim what was in the the actual comics. It is a little bit of a twist because you can tell the Asian influence of the animation. But it's definitely another very strong 
adaptation of what David Mazzucchelli did. The, as far as the actual story, not looking at the idea of that it's from the comic, if you just look at the story as Batman's origin story, and you look at it from that perspective, I think the the interesting thing about this is that it's not really... It's more of a... And everybody's already said this in the past. This is more of a Jim Gordon story than it is a Bruce Wayne Batman story. This is more about Jim Gordon. It doesn't focus a whole lot on Batman and Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne becoming Batman. But as far as the adaptation from the comics, it's very straightforward. My only thing is, it would have been... And I'm not saying this had to happen with Batman Year One because they were doing a, a specific adaptation of the comics. But if they were going to create an animated Batman origin story, I think it would have been cool to get a little bit more of the actual Bruce element, more so than Jim Gordon. But I'm not saying that this film was bad. I'm just saying because this is probably the only origin story we'll ever see in animated form, at least for the foreseeable future... It would have been nice to get a little bit more about what actually Batman, Bruce Wayne goes through. We see some of it in Batman Begins, but that's live action. And we get a little bit about it in Batman Year One. But there's not really, you know, besides him coming up with the idea to be Batman, there's not a lot about the training. There's not a lot of that. But that's more of a criticism of, I guess, Frank Miller and his origin story. But again, it was more of a Jim Gordon story than it was a Bruce Wayne story. Yeah, I mean, I, like I mentioned, I think the adaptation is so strict and there's no room to maneuver at all. So one of that, one of the problems with the story for me, if you look at it, uh, we're trying to sit down and just look at it as a film. Pretend you've not seen Batman Year One. And for someone who's never, never seen it or knows anything about it, I think there's a lot of really short scenes in in this film you know that lasts like 10 seconds and don't add a huge amount but because they're in the comic they're included there's a lot of there's quite a few secondary characters that aren't really developed like sarah essen and jim gordon's wife you know we don't get to see a lot of them and it kind of felt it reminded me actually of another comic book film which kind of had a similar route and that was watchmen now yes that was live action but again they tried to copy panels you know, and try and make it as close to that source material as they could. And they did deviate a bit, and that pissed some people off, and some people thought, you know, it was required. But I think this film suffered from the same problem Watchmen did, and I like Watchmen too. Um, I like both these films. I don't, want, don't think I need to say that anymore. I like them both. But I think they could have been better if they had just a little bit of room to do their own thing. But of course, I'm sure people would just go crazy and say it's you know blasphemous to meddle with something like Batman Year One. This, like you guys said, it's a story that focuses on Jim Gordon, but it also focuses slightly, at least, on Selina Kyle. And I think that's almost more important than maybe seeing the training that Batman would have gone through that first year. I think it's very important to set up the people that would eventually become so important to him over the next however many years. The people that would support him and work alongside him. I think it was really important to set them up like that. I, I agree, but I think I think Selena Kyle was also underused because it was such a direct adaptation. I think the role of Catwoman was so minor in the film itself that it it, it was almost as if she didn't even need to be in the film where they could have had just a 
take out the part of Catwoman, or, you know, her being in the cat suit, running around the, the, the roofs of Gotham for that short amount of time that she did, and replace Selena Kyle with some random prostitute when she fights Bruce Wayne, and it wouldn't have made a difference. That's that's my concern with that. Yeah, that's fair. I could see that. But I mean, I I really don't think they could have won either way. You know, I mean, if they've done, they've adapted it straight as it is, and it's very good. If they had changed things to try and make this even better, I'm sure there'd be a lot of fans out there complaining that they've, you know, meddled right. with with you know, like the holy Batman you won. Right, and and like and like we've all said, it's not that we don't like the film. It's that it's just there's there's it's more of a critique on the actual original story, and because the actual original story was lacking some specific elements that we would have liked to see. That's you know, and because it's such a direct adaptation of the film, that's that's why you know everybody has to have criticisms. You can't say everything is perfect. There's you'd be lying to yourself if you said everything that you saw when it has Batman in it is perfect. So that's that's that. Okay, let's move into the next bit, the voice cast. Okay, well, start with the good and then go to the bad. Brian Cranston, I thought was marvelous as Commissioner Gordon. He he gets the voice spot on. He's got exactly the right tone. He's got the strength in his voice when it counts. And he just he he has to deliver a lot of challenging lines, a lot of monologues, which just him talking. But he excels at all of it. He really brings a gravitas and a likability to Commissioner Gordon, which is very important. And I thought he was a perfect bit of casting. So much so that it even made me think: when Gary Oldman's done with the job, maybe Brian Cranston in the live action role. He was that good. I was really impressed with Brian Cranston. The bad. Ben McKenzie. Now, I've seen all sorts of opinions on Ben McKenzie, and I'm afraid mine isn't good. I don't think he manages to capture the right tone. I don't think he has the steel he needs in his voice. And rather, I think he tries very hard to come across as intense, but to me it feels more like, you know, he's droning. It's a bit boring, a bit dull. And it just did not work. And, yes, that that was a downer for me. I I was hoping for more from Ben McKenzie, and I have to say... I just don't think he was a very good fit. Brian Cranston, Nick said it all. He did a fantastic job as Commissioner Gordon. I'm going to defend McKenzie or Ben McKenzie just a little bit because I don't disagree with what you said. I didn't go into it with high hopes because, I'm sorry, the fact of the matter is, is that he was on the OC. And that, to me, just says, you're probably not that great at what you do. It's like a black spot on your on A your little CV. bit. Yeah. A little bit. There was one scene where... I did kind of turn my head because he had captured my attention. And I wish I could remember what it was, but it was him speaking in the Batman voice. And I just thought that right there, if you could have done that through the whole movie, I would have been a little more impressed with you. And actually, Alex Rocco as Carmine Falcone, I adored. I thought that was the perfect mobster voice, the perfect, you know, rough, old, I've been smoking Italian cigars since I was four years old voice. I thought it was perfect, so I was, I was really impressed with his performance. And I also thought the ladies did well. Eliza Dushku and Katie Sackhoff, they did a decent job, but as we mentioned earlier, they had quite small roles, but I thought they pulled them off fine. So it was ben, ben McKenzie was the problem, but Brian Cranston was, you know, one of the standout features of this film. My thoughts pretty much 
pretty much are the same of, of both of you. I thought Brian Cranston was amazing. Ben McKenzie, I really think they could have probably gotten somebody better than Ben McKenzie. I don't think he did a horrible job. I think when he was Bruce Wayne, it just was just not good at all. When he was Batman, his actual Batman voice, not his Batman monologue voice, but when he actually said things as Batman, I thought that was okay. The, the Batman monologue voice was... Like Nick said, very, very dreary and boring as if he was trying to be so serious that it was to the point where you were falling asleep. As far as the females, I think they both did a decent job. I just, I think the problem is it's very hard to actually try to judge their performance because they did have such minor roles. And that's, that's the problem that I foresee with both of them. Like, there was this big deal about Eliza Dushku playing Catwoman, but she probably has maybe total of probably six minutes of screen time which is only one-tenth of the film and probably out of that six minutes she's probably only actually talking for three of that so there's not a lot to work with when it comes to that Alex Rocco I think was great but again that was another very minor role the, the only characters that had a lot of lines was Batman and Jim Gordon, and Jim Gordon was probably, I would say, more than 50% of the film, so that, that says, you know, at least Brian Cranston, we think, was very good, because otherwise the, 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 the voice aspect of the film probably would have been very bad. So then, with the voice, after the voice, we get to uh, the showcase. The showcase for this film was a Catwoman showcase written by Paul Dini, featuring a new villain called Roughcut. What was our thoughts on that? It was okay. It was it was all right. Again, Eliza Dushku probably had like five lines in the entire short film, but it was all right. It was okay. You know, it was pretty average. I have to say. I mean, there was there was a, there was a very erotic scene in a strip club, which seemed a little bit over the top. I thought, but uh, you know, it was decent. It was fine. Just nothing special. Uh, no, you know, nowhere near the quality of of what Year One was. Just very underwhelming. It almost, to me, felt a little bit rushed, even though I'm sure it wasn't. I don't know. I, a little out of place on a kid's movie. I'm granted, here it's rated 14A, so it's not really a kid's movie, but just not impressed. Yes, nonetheless, yeah. I, uh, I was not really a fan of it at all. It, I mean, like, okay, let me, let me preface this with, I haven't really necessarily been a huge fan of the DC Showcase because I don't really like the idea of the DC films themselves only being 60 minutes. And I understand that it's a direct adaptation and they're trying to try to stick as closely to the original source material, but I don't like the idea of a film only being 60 minutes and paying just as much money on it for a Blu-ray that I would pay for a two-and-a-half-hour live-action film. And that's my, my biggest concern. So by adding the DC Showcase, if it clocks in at, I think it's around like seven minutes, you're adding about seven minutes to the film. And you, you, have, to, you have to get the Blu-ray edition, or you have to get the two-disc DVD edition for that DC Showcase. So again, you're paying extra for the extra special features, because you're not getting anything more with the actual film. Seven minutes, I don't think is a decent time for anything I mean, that just, that flashes me back to some of the really, I mean, I wasn't alive, obviously, but some of the early Batman cartoons, which were literally six, seven minutes long, small little, you know, condensed segments that were attached to a number of other superheroes, you know, put all together in one episode. 
But with these DC Showcase, that's what it feels like to me. It just feels like it's something that is supposed to be real quick, doesn't really serve a purpose. And I thought the whole idea of this was supposed to be featuring characters that are lesser known that won't be in the major movies. Catwoman is not that character, number one. Catwoman, everybody knows. The previous ones with the Spectre and... Green Arrow. Uh, Green Arrow and Shazam. Those are less known characters. Catwoman is not unknown. We didn't need to have a Catwoman one. And the story that we get for the Catwoman one, I did not like this at all. I thought it was a waste of time. And if I actually cared about the fact that I would have had to pay extra for that DC showcase, I would have probably gotten upset. But to me, I wanted the extra special features besides the showcase. So that evens it out for me. Yeah, I mean, for me, I thought the special features were more impressive, particularly that that conversation with DC Comics team, which included your your mate, uh, Scott Snyder. But, yeah, I mean, as a Blu-ray package, I thought it was pretty good, actually. You had the Catwoman short, you also had the animated series episodes, and a few documentaries that were interesting, and the preview of the Justice League Doom. And it's not just a trailer, it was like 10 minutes of interviews and stuff. So... I thought it was quite a good package um, for what it was, and yeah, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty good Blu-ray package. I picked up the two-disc DVD edition, and I'm a little bit choked that I had to pay extra money to get Catwoman because I did not feel like that was worth it. So, sorry, is that an extra? Is that just a DVD with Catwoman then? Well, it's got disc one with the movie, and then yeah. the disc two has the special features. So. Oh, okay. Heart of Vengeance, returning Batman to his roots, and then Bruce Timm presents two bonus cartoons. Mm. They did a great job with special features on this, making it tie into the whole DCU, but I just wish they could have chosen another character to do the showcase on. I understand why it was Catwoman, but... Yeah, maybe maybe another... I mean, it could have been just another Batman family character, maybe Nightwing or something. I mean, we heard once that they were doing some sort of animated Nightwing. Uh, Nightwing's certainly lesser known than Catwoman. Especially with animated appearances, Nightwing appeared in the, the new Batman Adventures, but... And the Red, the Red Hood little. movie. Yeah, and the Red Hood movie, but very little. I would have I, I liked to see something like that, or even taken a even lesser known character like Azrael or something like that. I'm sure you wouldn't be able to sell on Azrael alone, but... I think that there's a number, there's so many characters in the Batman universe that are lesser known to the mainstream public that Catwoman was probably not the best decision. But as far as the other special features, I wasn't too keen on the conversation. There was some interesting bits. It seemed like, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, Michael Uslin, who's the executive producer for all of the Batman films, led a conversation with co-publisher Dan DiDio, former Batman writer and editor Danny O'Neill, and current Batman writer Scott Snyder. The the things that we heard from Denny O'Neill, I probably heard 50,000 times on every other special features type documentaries. Anything that Dan DiDio said, again, I've heard most of it. The stuff that I didn't hear wasn't worth hearing. And the stuff that Scott Snyder said, again, Scott Snyder has been doing so many interviews within over the last year because of his success on Detective Comics and now with Batman, that again, I've probably heard all of those things too. So there really wasn't anything new that I learned from any of that. It's not to say that the normal movie viewer, normal non-comic book reader isn't going to learn something, because they will. But for me, that wasn't really anything. I did enjoy the documentary that, that they had on the, the, on the besides the conversation piece and the showcase. 
the other special feature was which was the documentary focusing on the history of Batman Year One and like how it came to be. That I really enjoyed, and I think some I think something that would maybe be worthwhile is if they took all of these you know ten minute documentaries that they make for the individual DC animated films and they collected all of those together that could be something worthwhile I'm sure it probably wouldn't sell extremely well but I'm sure it would be it'd probably be right on lines with the sales that they had for Secret Origin the History of DC Comics which came out last year so well I was going to mention that because I've not been able to find that anywhere in this country I don't know what happened to that film I, it was released then was it yes it was it was released November of last year but I but, but my knowledge it it was not meant to do like extremely well appears in the documentary section which is a very very small section at the electronic stores movie stores and that's part of the reason why it doesn't it's probably didn't do very well because not tons tons of people aren't going to pick up documentaries but my feeling on that film i know this is kind of off topic but my my feeling on that film was they could have made that so much longer and delved so much more into the history of dc comics and it felt like that movie was very rushed but going back to if we actually took all of these little bits about you know that they put in the DC animated films and and actually put those together to make a film then it wouldn't actually cost anything other than just to distribute it because they've already made them for special features so and then we would get a lot more than what we got with the history because with the history once it hit the 90s it felt like it just was like Okay, we're, we've hit the 90s, that's pretty much all we've got, even though there was a whole other 20 years to go with the actual history. Probably just assuming everybody already knew about that stuff. Yeah. So, overall thoughts of the film, let's give it a rating real quick. Okay, well, j- just the film then. You know, the animation I thought was stunning. The, the visual style was excellent. Brian Cranston was brilliant. And and the story though was good, not perfect. It the pacing was not quite right because there's a, it's a different experience reading a comic book story, you know, four issue one, and and watching a seventy minute movie. It's a very different experience, and it cannot be literally taken from a comic book, put into a film, and it just works. You cannot translate it like that. You need a bit of freedom, and I don't think the creative team were given that freedom. So all in all, though. It's still a very good film, and it's probably one of the best anime Batman films up there, but not the best. And I would just finish by saying it's simply a, a good adaptation of a masterful comic book story. So the rating is 4 out of 5 Batarangs. Okay, I'm going to say 4 out of 5 Batarangs for much the same reasons. Brian Cranston, fantastic. Animation, delightful. However, I'm going to say it was a great adaptation of a mediocre story. Ooh. Controversy. No, I just, I don't like the story for year one very much, but I think that as far as an adaptation of that story, this was bang on as an adaptation. In my reading, I think, again, based off of nothing but the film, I think the film itself was very good. I would say that I would have preferred a very different animated Batman origin film but because Batman Year One is the most popular origin story for Batman I can understand why they did it but I think the animation was spot on I think the story was almost a direct adaptation of the actual comic and for that I'm going to give it four out of five batterings as well after this film what are your guys thoughts on them 
directly adapting more stories? Do you want, would you like them to stick with comic book stories that we know and like, or would you like them to go, you know, original? So, for instance, the Tower of Babel. You know, what's this? Has this changed your thoughts on what future projects they should do? As far adaptations versus more original stories, I would really like to see some more adaptations, but less complete, literal, faithful adaptations than this was. I think this could have been improved with some pacing changes. I would love to see The Killing Joke adapted, but I would not want to see it, you know, panel for panel, because I've read the story. I know what it is. I want to see... I want to see the director extrapolate on some things, you know, take us into some places that the comic didn't necessarily take us into. But I would be perfectly happy if they didn't use a, the the comic pages as the storyboard panel for the next one. A little variety would be nice. My thoughts are this on the... I'd, I, I'd like a mix as well. I think I think the problem with the direct adaptations is that the direct adaptations are so distinctly either straight you know straightforward this is what happened in the comic or we get an adaptation that cuts in in my opinion important things out everything that we've seen with this adaptation of tower of babel concerns me greatly because the original story was very good i could see how they could you know put the characters they wanted to put in into the film but at the same time i think taking out some of the story elements specifically dealing with Ra's al ghul and the whole this is batman's contingency plan is what is that that's what concerns me the other thing that that is interesting is i'm not saying i don't want to see adaptations i'd love to see no man's land i'd love to see nightfall but the problem that i see with both of those series is that there's so many characters involved that i'm afraid that they would be cutting characters out because they don't want a massive amount of voice actors and but We've seen that done in the past where they've had massive amounts of voice actors. Look at any of the Justice League films. There's tons of characters, or tons of voice actors that voice the characters, including the upcoming Justice League Doom. So to have just to have Nightfall and No Man's Land involve so many characters, I'd love to see those done. I but at the same time, I think it would be cool to see some kind of mixes as some some original things as well. I don't know how. I don't know how I would base my opinions off of that, specifically going the straight original route, but I think I'd like a mix as well. I mean, we've had some good Batman films over the last year or two. Under the Red Hood in year one, been pretty good films. So, I mean, I think it comes down to being careful which storylines you pick. But for now, I would actually quite like them to go original for a bit. and just, Just see what they come up with, see if they can come up with some good ideas. Because sometimes those stories just don't work quite so like all star superman didn't really work for me i'm sure if i'd read the book i would have really enjoyed it but i i hadn't and so the, the film didn't quite click so i would like something a bit more original for the next batman film so that's where i'd like them to go next so that is the end of the feature i do want to remind you uh we will be releasing a commentary for batman year one before the next normal ca- podcast actually comes out so be sure to be checking the website for that once that comes out and that is everything for this episode. So, let me throw out a couple reminders real quick. We also are going to be having a special for Batman Arkham City. That's why we really didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about it. Because uh, we'll be releasing a special also before next normal podcast as well. 
talking about our thoughts on the game. And it is a great game, and it does justly deserve a actual an actual special for it. In addition to that, and the commentary, there's always the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, which delves into everything related to the comic books, and there's tons of things happening in the comic book world right now. Also, we have Bat Books for Beginners, which Nick does. Those episodes air on the comic podcast and then also are on the website in their own feed. So if you are new to comics and want to get into them, you can check out Bat Books for Beginners and start with the 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 history of Batman from the very beginning, uh, specifically and, uh, dealing with Year One. Yes, Batman Year One is the first episode, actually. And then... Besides all of that stuff, there's all kinds of stuff always happening on the websites when it comes to editorials for everything we talked about here, as well as the comics. There's all the news related to all of the things that we talked about here as well. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. YouTube, there's tons of videos. All the interviews that we've done at the conventions are on there, as well as all kinds of other clips that are related to the shows. We also have a number of commercials that involve Batman as well. You can check that out. You can head over to the forums and become a member and chat with other Bat fans. And if you do, be sure to send us an email letting us know that you want your account activated because the the, the forums are spammed and can't always tell who's a spammer and who is an actual person. So be sure to send us an email and let us know that you need your account activated. Please leave us a review on iTunes for this for this podcast and all of our other podcasts. And you can always send us an email at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Nick. And this is Melinda. And we'll see you guys next month. So long. Farewell. Avruta saying goodbye. Party.